Welcome to Series 1, Episode 5 of Distinct Poplar, a twice-monthly audio fiction series written and read by Matt Herzberg from www.distinctpoplar.com. This episode is titled, Not in Anyone's Lifetime, Part 2. By the end of the class, Chellen wondered if she should confront him, but she wouldn't get her chance. When the last bell of the day rang out over the old crackling pop of the ceiling classroom speakers, Blixit was gone so fast, Chellen thought her head might spin, quickly shuffling his way past the other typicals, hurrying away from her, which deep down made her sad. She watched as he practically led the pack of them down the stadium stairways to the floor of the pit, where their rotund teacher reminded everyone about their next pop quiz in her usual sing-song voice. Blixit, the boy who didn't do anything energetically or with spirit, was rushing out the door, the rest of the class not far behind him. The seventh period pit was empty, save for Chellen whose deep sigh of contempt all but echoed in the room around her. The only person to notice that I'm not dead, she thought, and he can't wait to get away from me. So she shrugged and gathered her things together and left school for the weekend. She went home, she did her homework, and she laid awake in bed, unable to sleep. Helen couldn't help herself from thinking about the strange, creepy kid in her classes and the odd, oversized notebook he possessed to keep notes on her. What was it for, she wondered. The notebook. What kind of information was held within its mangled and mismatched pages? What was so important about Chellen that caused Blixit to examine her so intently? Chellen could think of nothing else for the whole weekend, which as it turns out was better for her to think of him and the strange series of events in which she discovered her watcher, for otherwise, Chellen would be resigned to her usual thoughts of loneliness which weaseled their way into her heart and her mind, always presenting her with the overwhelming despair of not having anyone she could really talk to. The cold, hard reality of the situation was that normally Chellen felt like she ceased to exist, but not anymore, now that there was someone watching her and taking notes about her. So that had to mean she was actually here, right? That had to mean that she actually existed. She was fascinated by the creepy kid, Blixit J. Blocked. The whole affair of it seemed dangerous on paper, but never once was she put off or afraid for her safety, which also felt strange, considering the circumstances. If she were to tell anyone that a strange kid at school was staring at her all day and taking notes about everything she did, you'd be sure that kid would get into some trouble. But it just didn't feel that way to Chellen. It didn't feel wrong. 
Maybe it was the fact that she was lonely and willing to make excuses. Or maybe it just didn't feel all that sinister to her. After the weekend, Chellen resigned herself to do something about all of it. If Blixit would run away from her, as he did last week, then trying to confront him was probably pointless. He wouldn't ever talk to her under those circumstances, and she'd never get any answers. That being the case, Chellen knew that the only thing there was left to do was to grab the notebook itself and delve into its pages to read what he'd been writing about her. So she would have to steal it from him. It was just that simple. When she returned to school after the weekend, Chellen waited instead of jumping into action, biding her time in order to put a plan together to get that notebook, all the while secretly keeping an eye on Blixit. She found a way to look ever so slightly at him without his notice, and without the abrupt collision of their sideways glances. While observing him in secret, she noticed him peering at her just like he had been doing the last time, so Chellen let him continue to do so, as if she hadn't ever cared that he was watching her. Still, she was patiently waiting for her moment to act, which came during the very last period they had together. When Blixit sat behind her, she swore she could actually hear him scribbling away with his blue ink pen, active in his note-taking about her, no doubt. Each mark or scratch with the pen across the paper seemed to grate away at her very senses. While this went on, she figured all she had to do was wait for him to stop writing and put the journal down. When that happened, she'd slyly reach behind her and snatch it away from him, its smooth cover sliding under her fingertips, the large metal spiral that bound it together, grating across his desktop, as she effortlessly pulled it away from him and popped it into her own school bag. So when she could bear the excitement no longer, she did exactly that. Snatched the notebook right up from under him as soon as his attention was diverted. It happened when the bell rang ending the day. Chellen all but burst from her seat snatching the notebook right off of Blixit's desk as he turned away from her to pick up his book bag from the floor. With excited fingers and trembling hands, Chellen pilfered the notebook like an expert thief. Then she practically ran out of the classroom, stuffing the notebook into her bag, her heart pounding, her legs pumping, a large devious smile full of teeth split across her face, which lasted all the way to the bus ride home, in which Chellen felt like she needed a place to hide. Luckily for her, distinct poplar school buses were freakishly long, with seemingly endless rows of tall, vinyl-covered foam seats of stitched patchwork, which presented her with a perfect place for her to stay out of sight with her unlawfully acquired prize. Nervously, she rubbed her palms across the tops of her jeans with anticipation. She was so excited with her spring-heeled theft that it was easy to be completely oblivious to the other kids on the bus, some of which were typicals, who shouted and bounded around her like monkeys, 
a stark contrast to the Rom kids, who slouched silently in their seats with their long sleeves and sunglasses, undoubtedly rolling their eyes at the typicals and their predictably lame, childish enthusiasm over what was just the end of another school day. That was how they thought of them, except for Chellen, of course, who existed now only in the single and exclusive dimension of her own secret glee, hidden away somewhere in the back of the bus, between the seats, and outside the notice of both Rom and Typical alike, reveling in the fact that the notebook was now hers, and depending on what was in it, might as well be hers forever. Her stop was the second to the last on the route, and the bus came to a screeching halt upon arrival. Gingerly, the vehicle led her out from its butterfly-like expanding double doors, which the driver pushed open with a lever attached to a network of old spinning gears. As soon as she had set foot on the concrete, the doors retracted back behind her quickly. A gust of air sent Chellen's hair into a swarm around her head. The driver cackled, the engine roared, and the bus sped away. Chellen walked three city blocks towards home, passing large clawfoot apartment buildings of ancient architecture and overpainted with a mess of garish colors. Warped windows of stained glass and protruding pillars that looked like mangled teeth. Massive front doors covered with stoic images of three-dimensional holographic glass. Large colorful patterns in the brickwork of pink and purple and turquoise that warded away the opportunistic graffiti. And all the while, each step past them seemed almost like torture from the growing anticipation that Chellen could not ignore. It was as if she couldn't help but occasionally peek into her bag, just to make sure the notebook was still there, still safe. Always tempted to immediately open it up and read all of the things that Blixit J. Blocked had said about her. But it was best to keep moving, and the sirens that sounded off in the background sobered her to the bustling city life of distinct poplar. In this neighborhood, it wasn't terrible for her to be out on the street alone. But still, she shouldn't just hang around. Hanging around attracted unwanted attention from perverts. Hanging around gave opportunity to people who'd love to give a kid a hard time for no reason. Hanging around sometimes brought the worst out of distinct poplar's shadows, dark alleys, and sewers. Life in this stinking city was dangerous and cruel and some of the people here were all too eager to take it out on each other. When she arrived home, her parents asked her about her day, and she told them, I don't care, and they said, cool, and left her on her way up the stairs. Chellen then retreated to her bed, which sat in the exact center of her room and was surrounded by wall-to-wall -wall posters and cutouts of ROM musicians and actors from the classical age of vintage film and television. Men and women in black jackets and thick black sunglasses, with their arms crossed and their backs against a motorcycle, wore an aged 24-hour diner. This was her sanctuary, the only place in the world she truly felt safe. And as soon as she had settled the sheets and covers over her head, 
Only then did she feel truly comfortable. Then, and only then, was it properly time to carefully pull out the notebook from her bag like a thief revels in her stolen treasures. Slowly, she cracked open the cover and searched through the individual pages of the notebook paper. Much to her surprise, Blix's notebook was mostly empty in its pages, white and devoid of any markings or writing. Really, all but a couple of pages were blank, with not so much a scratch of wayward ink. She discovered this with anxious fingers and short breaths, cycling through each blank page of nothingness, all but three measly pages hidden deep within the centermost section of the notebook, which she found after scouring deep into the binding, and all that they had on them were titles. Well, two out of three of them were this way. The first page read, Not in my lifetime, at the top, but it was otherwise blank. So was the third page, blank, except for its title, which read, Not in anyone's lifetime. The second page was the only thing with anything on it. Not in your lifetime, it said, and beneath the title were dozens of little drawings. That was it. No notes about Chellen. Furious, Chellen threw off the covers and launched the journal across her bedroom. All of that built up for nothing. Stealing the journal in the first place, being watched by that creep Blixit J blocked. All of it pointless, when it could have been the most exciting thing to happen to Chellen all year. Maybe even for her entire life up to this point. She thought. What a disappointment. At this rate, she imagined that she would just remain at odds with both sides, Roms and typicals alike, wasting away, neglected, and vanishing like a ghost. At dinner time, her parents called up to her, and Chellen did not respond, so they left her alone and congratulated themselves on being such good Rom parents. All the while, Chellen remained in her bed, angrily staring off into space, upset. Through her imagination, images began to come into view of her mind's eye, her daydreaming taking shape. She could see Blixit J. Block dying gruesomely in a hundred different ways and poses. And she very much enjoyed it. In one, he was suffocating horribly from blue poisonous gas, his eyes bulging cartoonishly from his face, perfectly ready to explode into a disgusting blast of eyeball guts. In another, Blixit was impaled on a large metal spear, blue-colored blood was fountaining everywhere below. Above, blue crows pulled his brains out from cracks in his skull, like gooey blue jelly beans. 
In yet another, she imagined the creep being sucked into a blue jet turbine and diced into hundreds of little cubes of human pieces, which seemed somehow stacked orderly in the background in a bloody pyramid. The morbid flashes flickered through her mind like a child's viewfinder. Click. He was jumping to his death. Click. He was drowning at the bottom of a bog. Click. Blixit was being run over by a car. It was a hit and run. His head was caught under the front driver's side wheel. Smashed open like a rotten blue pumpkin, seeds and all. The driver of the car was a fluffy tabby cat with a pair of thick blue wraparound sunglasses. A blind man's cane awkwardly stuck out the side window. Wait, what? Chellen snapped out of her daydream. What had she seen? A blind cat driving a car? Where had that come from? She swore she'd seen it before. Chellen went back to the notebook, which she found behind her desk. After she'd thrown it, the binding had become slightly broken, and the book laid slightly slumped on its side. In its pages, sure enough, she found the drawings she'd been seen in her imagination. It was on the page titled, Not in Your Lifetime. They covered almost every available inch, and ranged from cartoonish to super gruesome, and they were drawn with such skill and with great attention to detail. The way that Blixit drew those versions of himself impressed her. They were off-putting, and weird, and gross. Chellen liked that about them, as she poured over every single one, searching for the similarity to her. After all, Blixit had been studying her, and drawing in this very notebook. But all the death images were of Blixit, and none of them had anything to do with Chellen. That was equally as disappointing. All of the uncomfortable staring and scribbling in the notebook didn't actually amount to anything having to do with her. So she decided to change that. If there wasn't going to be any drawings of Chellen, then she would add her own gruesome death drawings of Blixit. In her mind, Chellen attempted to craft a worthy death drawing for Blixit of her own unusual design. Something memorable that combined with her black ink ballpoint pen would stand out like a sore thumb. This wouldn't be too difficult to accomplish on a sea of blue ink. Chellen wasn't talented like Blixit, but she was good enough at drawing to get her point across. So she spent a few hours or so drawing a very tiny picture of Blixit J. Blocked being devoured by a swarm of tiny dual geese, rodent-like creatures with six legs, the rest of their bodies covered in thick fur. The ones Chellen drew were small and vicious, winding their way around their victim and sinking their oversized rat-like teeth into him. The drawing was disturbing, to say the least, surprising even Chellen at her own flair for gruesomeness. When she was done, she slammed the notebook closed and stuck it back into her bag. That night, 
She went to bed with a very large grin on her face. She couldn't wait for tomorrow. The next day in class, Chellen didn't put on any covert plans to return the notebook to Blixit. She simply made her way past the pit and climbed the stairs up to his desk before first period started, to simply hand it back to him. There she expected to find him awake for once, and awkwardly shifting in his seat, and perhaps even unnerved by the loss of his precious notebook. The very thought that it was out there somewhere, lost, and exposing the kid for his death fetish. Chellen knew that nobody would understand his drawings. They'd be misunderstood and the other kids at school would be afraid of him. In anyone else's hands, Blixit's notebook would find its way to a teacher, or worse, a parent. The many drawings of Blixit's imaginative and grimly depicted demises would bring a call for alarm. The reason being that, in the city of Distinct Poplar, there was real danger, and bad things happened to kids all the time. Monsters in the sewers, evil buildings come to life, terrible people who were up to terrible things walking the streets. So parents and teachers were notoriously strict when it came to anything remotely dangerous or cause for concern. Blixit's drawings of death, even though they were harmless and only of himself, would be cause for alarm amongst the school board, and he would likely be expelled outright. Chellen knew deep down that the drawings were harmless due to their ridiculously cartoonish nature, but when she walked up to Blixit in first period, she expected to find the boy in an extreme state of panic. Nobody else would understand the notebook the way that Chellen did. That fact should have been played out on his face in quiet desperation something only she would be able to fix for him by returning his notebook. Instead, however, she found Blixit J. Blocked the same as he ever was, face down on the table surface of his school desk, harmlessly drooling a puddle of dribble that moved like mercury around his face. Chellen couldn't have been more disgusted by what she found, for what she held in her hands ready to return was worth something, should be worth something. But since he didn't seem to care, then why should she, instead of standing there full-handed, but with an empty expression, gazing down at the feckless creeper with a death fetish? If you like what you've been hearing so far on the podcast, please consider rating and reviewing Distinct Poplar on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcast. Positive reviews would be a big help, and I truly appreciate it. This has been Series 1, Episode 5, Not in Anyone's Lifetime, Part 2, by Matt Herzberg. Copyright January 10th, 2018, from distinctpoplar.com. Music for this episode was done by Chris Zabriskie, except for the outro music. For more information, check the show notes in the episode description. For more stories like this one, ebooks, and more information about the city that forgot to stay clean, check us out online at www.distinctpoplar.com or through our social media. 
Just search for Distinct Poplar on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stop by. Say hello. Hello.